Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. This is episode 12. Uh, my name is Ben Jackson and I'm your host. And as always, I'm joined by what we consider our very own, Bolini and Thorup of the podcast. I don't know which one of you wants to be Bolini and which one of you wants to be Thorup, but I'll leave that up to the listeners to decide. <laughs> of course, it's Scott and yours. Uh, yeah, Scott and yours, how are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Hi, Ben. Um, I, I don't know what to say to that intro, to be honest. I, I, I was going to ask which one am I at, but I, I'm too afraid to, so I won't. I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, yours? Um, I'm a little bit under weather, but I think I hope it will be fine. I hope it is not mentionable uh, or seeable, hearable on the recording. <laughs> under the weather, but up for Belgian football. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, so yeah, just in this episode of what we're now just going to reference as the BFP, because I don't want to say the Belgian football podcast every single time. So we are now officially the BFP. Um, yeah, we're going to have a usual look at the games of the week and our players of the week. We've then got a little talking point that I've kind of dragged into the discussion about the striking situation at Club Brugge. I think it's a, an interesting topic to discuss. Uh, we'll look ahead, obviously, to next week's matches. And we've got some really good listener questions this week, actually. So we're going to spend a bit of time on those near the end. Um, but first of all, before we dive into Game of the Week, Player of the Week and all that, I think it's really important that we talk about the situation with Von Dummer. Um, yeah, really sad situation. So if I believe rightly, this is the second time he's being diagnosed with cancer. Third, unfortunately. It's yeah. just so sad, isn't it? Like the second time it's just horrific our thoughts obviously from the podcast are with him we wish him well we wish him fam family well as well i know how much from personal experience how much of a toll cancer suffering in the family can have on someone and it's just such a tough time for everyone but i also think it'd be really nice to recognize that the reaction from the league in general and the players and fans has just been quite incredible actually there's been lots of people coming together and just the messages that have come out on social media have just been really amazing. And I hope he's seen them. I hope he's like being shown all these messages of like support and stuff. And yeah, I don't know if you guys wanted to say anything as well on this. I feel like it's it's such a sad situation, but yeah, it's just really hard to talk about, isn't it? I guess. Yeah, uh, I would just say like he's definitely our one player of the week this time. Mm. So do just get. Uh... To, for people who didn't catch everything yet, I'll, I'll also do my best. Uh, so on his 27th birthday last week, uh, Miguel Handama, goalkeeper of Circle Bruges, um, got diagnosed with leukemia actually for the third time. And unfortunately, all the previous treatments have failed. Uh, he exhausted all methods. So right now, he really, well, there's no options left outside of trying to prolong his uh, life or stick around mm -hmm. long enough. Uh, for people to for doctors to find a new treatment method um yeah of course it makes you realize once again how futile football can be even though yes indeed we are and also luckily indeed with the reactions um yeah that there's a big football family across borders across team borders and uh country borders but despite the games uh despite by the passion for the game so of course our words won't really change anything but indeed let's hope um, he finds the courage he needs to keep fighting the horrible disease and hope that this new treatment will be found in time for him yeah yeah absolutely I, I kind of I completely agree with everything Joris is saying there I think you know kind of seeing those scenes last weekend um, were, were really emotional actually I, you know I, I found myself being surprisingly moved um, you know, just just watching the the kind of footage, uh, Paul Clement was very moved on the touchline, and it must have been kind of just extraordinary to have been in that dressing room before the before the derby at the weekend. Um, some things just transcend football, and I think that that reception really um, really was kind of football at its best. Um, yeah, send our thoughts very much to kind of him and his family and and, and the the club circle as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, if things do actually improve and he does somehow get through this, then obviously we will let the listeners know. We'll keep you updated on the situation. But yeah, as we said, our thoughts and prayers are definitely with him and his family. It's such a horrific situation. And also with the, the rest of the club, 
at Circular hope that they are receiving the support that they need because I'm sure it must be quite difficult as teammates and as friends to have to deal with such a situation as this so yeah, yeah I thought we it's important to start on these things like you always said things are bigger than football and this is definitely one of them so yeah definitely praying for Von Dummer and let's let's hope for some good news coming out of that um but we should move on uh to talk about the f- action on the pitch as there was plenty of action on the pitch and Scott I'm going to start with you for your game of the week because you went a little bit off script as as I probably would say you uh decided to ditch the Premier Division of Belgian football and dive into the second tier. What game did you watch this week and what was your well, impressions I, of it? I, I deliberately went and uh, chose to watch um, the Zwanzi Derby, which uh, for those of you who don't know, is actually a local Brussels Derby, which has got quite a lot of history to it, which I won't talk about too much here because, you know, we may well come back to that at some point. Um, but yeah, I went and watched uh, Molenbeek against Union saint Gilloise. Um, in the Proximus League uh, 1B, as it's traditionally known. Um, and it just it kind of caught my eyes. A fixture last weekend, I thought that, because of its history, is, is definitely worth a look. Um, Union Saint-Gioise, actually, are, are the fourth oldest side in, in Belgian football, um, formed in 1897, so they have a real history and heritage. They actually won... They've won 11 Belgian championship titles, all of which came between 1904 and 1935. So up until the Second World War, they were actually the most successful club in Belgium. So they, 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 there's a real history there. They've kind of fallen away, um, kind of relegated in the 60s and never quite recovered since then. But before Saturday evening's game, they were actually kind of uh, top of the division, uh, undefeated, going into the, the local Brussels derby. Um, Molenbeek themselves have had issues of their own and kind of reformed and absorbed other matriculation numbers. Um, so just to add to the history. But the game finished 3-1, 3-1 to Molenbeek, which was slightly unexpected. I think Union Saint-Gerois were probably the favourites because they were top of the table and, and Molenbeek were kind of bubbling um, just below mid-table, um, struggling to score too many goals at the moment. Um, do you know, the thing I loved about this was it had this kind of retro feel about it where you could feel the spice and the niggle and everything going on from the tackles and the pitch to the atmosphere in the air. But the stadium, the Edmund Martin Stadium, has a history all of its own. It's an old stadium. It's reasonably dilapidated. And then the best bit, I thought, was actually the, the near side of the pitch was waterlogged. So that when tackles went in there, the ball got caught up and mud was flying everywhere. You know, so it had the feel of like a 60s or 70s game, <laughs> um, something kind of out of its time. Um, because it was a derby, not a lot of silky football was played. Uh, Union Saint-Gerois tried to play through Molenbeek quite a lot and it didn't really come off for them, actually. Molenbeek won virtually all the 50-50 tackles. Did all of those things you would expect teams in a derby to do. They got right in their face. Um, frustrated Union Sanjo was, took the lead unexpectedly and never really looked back after that. Union's goal was was a lovely piece of football, um, played right through the defence, um, what they've been trying to do for the whole game, actually. Um, but Molenbeek, good value for the win. Um, great advert for the Proximus League, I thought. Um, and I'll definitely be checking out more Proximus League games kind of across the season, um, you know, for the pod. That's great. Um... Yeah, I think I've watched a couple of the uh, Proximus League games and they've just been really, really kind of just fun. I don't know, they're just yeah. kind of like chaotic. The atmosphere is just great. The fans, like, because of the, the size of the stadiums, it feels like you said it's got that weird, like, retro feel to it. Yeah. Which is really cool for, like, the atmosphere and stuff. And, yeah, you can watch all of the highlights. They put them up on YouTube quite quickly afterwards, mm. actually, on the uh, 11 Belgium youtube channel they do like a um like a all the highlights from match day five or something like that yeah. and because there's not many teams it's quite easy to watch but yeah i think we'll definitely need to keep an eye on this league for sure because it is quite a fascinating league and quite a quirky league that's for sure um who's your player of the week though scott did you have a player of the week from this game or was it from another match well, I went for another game and kind of for 
just 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 the personal reasons. A couple of weeks ago, as we all know, we kind of touched on Aster Vranks, uh, Mecklen's Aster Vranks, and what we'll call, I don't know, let's call it that miss um, in the game against Ustend. Um And we talked a wee bit at the time about how we hoped uh, this didn't affect his performances too much. Um, well, I don't think it has. Um, and he's my player of the week because he went and scored two great goals at the weekend um, against St. Trude, and the second of which was a really good finish, actually. And the thing about it was, see the joy in his face uh, as he ran to the camera on the touchline and his teammates embraced him. I thought, yeah, he's really got this out of his system now. Um, and he's, he's actually just enjoying his football. You know, that's, that's three goals now in seven games. Would have been four goals in seven. Um, but you know, but he's he's definitely got that out of his system really quickly. I was just so pleased to see that. Pleased to see Mecklen win because they needed something just just to lift them and to really kind of get going as well. Um, so my player of the week is Aston Franks. Yeah, no, I think exactly what you said that they needed a win, and it was kind of nice that he was the one that delivered it. I think he yeah. was just kind of exceptional that game, really. And like the two finishes, like the touches before were just. Sublime, yes, like the little, yeah, yeah, the little turns, like the strength to hold off players. You kind of forget how young he actually is as a player, and I think that game was actually it was it was actually quite a big game because both sides have been struggling, and both sides really could have done with the points. And so for Mechelen to come out with the win was quite something. Um, so yeah, definitely happy for Aston Blanks. I think he needed that. We'll all move on. I'm sure someone will bring up that miss in a couple of years' time when he gets signed by some big club, but we'll remember the good ones. Um, Joris. Anyway, he's not a striker, so it's not his main exactly. goal anyway. But... Exactly. Yeah. We'll talk about another striker who had an equally bad miss later on, but we'll jump to you <laughs> straight now for Joris. Um, what was your game of the week? Uh, I, I went for Beerschot against uh, Waasland Beveren, where Beveren actually did exactly what you would expect from them. Uh, they always score. And they always concede. Um, yeah, they're still at their average. They conceded exactly their average three goals again. Uh, they even scored twice this time inside the first 15 minutes through effort and the inev- inevitable Hermans, who already scored his sixth goal of the season, uh, making him at that time the sole top scorer. Uh, it has to be said, both times goalkeeper Van Hamel didn't really look good, could and maybe should have done better. But, okay, the Bevere took a lead of two goals and Beerschot did not really respond swiftly to this negative scoreline. They were dominating, but there was not much more than some sterile pressure. And Bevere was, also, of course, also happy to, to let them come at them with this scoreline. I mean, in this first half, the pressure really didn't lead to much. Just, really, just one really big chance for Holzhauser, which uh, was brilliantly saved by Akers. Uh, and also, I think this, it was a subsequent corner or another corner of Holzhauser hits the post, the first post. But, well, it's not really a clear-cut chance, of course. Uh, but there was one creative sequence between Tisudali and Holzhauser with an excellent finish from Tisudali at the end of the first half, which gave the home fans hope. Um, with a 1-2. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, the second half initially was a bit of more of the same with Beveren still not wanting to do anything and also not able to but yeah they were just failing and Beerschot uh, seemingly also unable to do much but the the game started to sparkle a bit more starting from the 75th minute on with a few substitutions at Beerschot. Um, Suzuki made the equalizer with a nice header in the far corner I think it was actually his first touch of the ball, at least one of his first touches. And then by the end, the game actually exploded again. The real kicker came in injury time. At first, Burdell already thought that he had at home the winner for Beerschot, but his goal was disallowed uh, since he had made a foul on Jakers, on goalkeeper Jakers um, in his goalkeeper little goalkeeper box. It's a bit debatable, but I do think you can say it's a foul. But uh, Beerschot wasn't going to be the night of victory in the end because another sub, uh, Loris Bronjo, scored a few minutes later to secure the home win. Uh, he was really relieved also in the interview afterwards. Um, of course, he only got a total of 16 minutes this season so far. 
of which 15 came in this game. So he's really happy for also for himself, of course, also for the team to have a late win, but um, also for himself that he scored and he could show the, the coach uh, that, that he maybe he should play a little more. Yeah, yeah, and, and he probably has one of the best averages, goal-scoring averages in the league now. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very impressive goals-to-minutes ratio for him. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, that was my game of the weekend. Uh, yeah, I think you touched on it there. That Tisudali finish was just sublime. Um, again, I'll point you towards YouTube if you haven't seen it. I think if you go on the beer shot... YouTube, they have like an extended highlights and just the one, two, and then the little dink over the keeper is just like, yeah, it's so good to watch. Um, yeah, I think we, we may as well touch a bit on one of the guys you mentioned as well, Dan Hermans, who has been on absolute fire to start this season. I think just surprised me for sure. I didn't really expect this from him. Uh, I'm not sure if Bevelin expected this from him, but for them, I feel like they need him to score four goals a game if they're going to win. Because like you said, they just keep conceding three a game. So he actually needs to up his goals if they're going to win a game. But what have, um, what's your impression of him been? What did you see in this game that you liked from him or didn't like? Well, to be fair, Bevan really didn't do much anymore after 15 minutes. But with, his, uh, with a goal, <laughs> he, he had a really good run. His positioning was great. The finish was okay. Um, yeah. I, it was okay. It was good enough, obviously, even though, as said, I think Van Havel could have done better, but still, um, he was really, his positioning was really well. So I think he could be a really good player for any team under the top teams so, so far, and maybe he can go uh, further. Um, but let's hope for even that he stays with them for a while, because otherwise they really don't stand any chance anymore to stay in the league, I think. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll come back to it uh, a little later as well, again, uh, a little bit. Yeah, no, I think you're right. If he goes, I'd be very worried about them. Um, I do know that a one of the guys from Total Football Analysis will be doing a piece on him next week. Not me. Uh, someone else is going to do a scout report on him, I believe, uh, which should be on their Belgian football page, which is actually free to view for everyone. So there'll be no like paywall or anything in front of that. So if you are interested in uh, Dan Heyman's, he's going to do like a deep dive into him, which could be really interesting, I'm sure. Um, yeah, who's your... that will be more insightful than what I just said, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, he'll have more than the 15 minutes of Beverham actually playing football to look at, that's for sure. Uh, who's no, your... We don't know that. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> who's your player of the week, yours? Uh, I've already praised uh, Paul Onuachi last week, but this time I'm actually going to choose him uh, as my player of the week. Um, um, something a little bit out of context, but I'll roughly paraphrase Ivan Leko uh, when uh, he was screaming angrily in the Bruges dressing room at halftime in uh, the uh, playoffs for the title in 2019, where he screamed, Berge, he's two meters tall and he's dribbling you? Well, uh, I think, of course, of course, Berge is not there anymore. It's not with Genk anymore, or in the league even. But I think many defenders should be scared of getting such speeches. Not, of course, not about Berge, but about Unwachu, because, of course, he's also tall. He's actually two meters, I believe. But actually, he's not even that strong with his head. Um, of course, he mm. did score for the second time running uh, with a header. But actually also lost most of the aerial duels this weekend still uh, against um, Arthur Teater, who played really well. Have to say, have to give him that. Mm. Yet, Onovacho is always a threat, um, of course, also with his head, and he combines that with an excellent functional technique. He backed the brace for the second week in a row, which makes him actually joint top scorer with Hermans, while having played the game less. But also as important, of course, is that he really held the ball up uh, well, kept running at defenders, kept, kept them busy, uh, gained corners and throw-ins by just uh, giving some pressure. Uh, he only needs to learn a bit to, to pass the ball a bit quicker at some times, but I'm convinced that's something that he can still work on. Yeah, he, his uh, minutes-to-goal ratio should also be really high. I didn't look mm -hmm. it up specifically, but yeah, anyway... In the last two games, he, he, he upped that. And of course, he's, uh, well, Torup is now the new manager of, at Genk. He already played with Onuachu before. So, yeah, 
it look future looks bright for for Unawachu, I think. Another thing it can work on a little maybe, but that might be um, coming coming with the the with his length. He, he does have some physical issues. So like the last half an hour, he wasn't really able to run that much anymore. He did his best, but um, yeah, it, it was difficult. Um, but slightly off topic uh, and a bit irrelevant in the bigger scheme of things anyway, uh, but I do find it weird that a player that scored more goals in away games is uh, the official top scorer, so Heinemans, uh, and this criterion goes above, even goes above the amount of games played or even minutes played, which would be even more fair, I suppose. Um, that's, of course, yeah, this is just a minor point, but this means that Heinemans will keep on wearing the, the golden bull, bull shirt for the top scorer next week. Uh, which is of course good for him, but actually I hope that uh, Onowachi will take the shirt after next week. And when there <laughs> when there's a straight duel inside a duel during during uh, Bevere Genk as well between them, Heimans uh, already won the battle battle against uh, Holshauser this week. He, was also, <laughs> he also still yeah. had the same amount of goals. Uh, now Heimans obviously is leading that one. But yeah, will be interesting to watch. But just a minor side point. It's not that important, but it was just a curious fact um, that I found out. <laughs> Yeah, that is really random, especially when you consider like the games without fans. So I feel like scoring away wasn't as big of like a a thing. Yeah, it probably uh, it's already been installed for a few seasons, and yeah, well, it's, as I said, it's not really a big thing. So it, they didn't really bother to look into that. There were more issues with other things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely some other things that they should sort out before they look at that. That's for sure. Exactly. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed watching Onuachi on Monday night. There was this one moment, I think, where he brings the ball down uh, by the touchline and there's three defenders on him and he just like keeps it and like turns them and just goes around all of them. And I was just mm. like, that is just the confidence to do that, the skill to do that. Like, there's a player that plays for my club, Reading, Lucas Shaw. I don't know if anyone else listened to this pod seen him, but similar sort of like ability, like tall imposing striker who's just really good with his feet at the same time and they're the most frustrating players to play against because if you're good with the he's like i think like you said yours he's i think he's better with his feet than he is with his head that's for sure like i don't really rate his heading as much he doesn't really win many aerial duels but on the deck he's he's quite a good player so it's quite interesting because there's that temptation when you see him you think oh they just hit it long and like get it at him like that but you don't need to do that because he is good with his feet you can play football with that imposing striker so yeah I also, think... I also like it sometimes uh well sometimes i like it sometimes it's frustrating but um he often goes uh to control a ball on his chest while, while he actually should have headed it through already <laughs> yeah. to someone uh running but um yeah still yeah. it's it's impressive that he's dead. he also st- says that himself in interviews that he's better with his feet than with his head but still, he scored three with his head in the last two games, so I'm not complaining. I was going to say, yeah, he can't That's be that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd take that. Uh, no, great. I think, yeah, Onuachi's definitely, he's definitely improved upon last year. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for Hank this season. Uh, so my game of the week was the Derby, the Blues Derby. We've already had one Derby from Scott in the second tier. Mine was in the first tier. First Blues Derby of the week, of the week, of the season. Um, yeah, I think we spoke a bit about it last week about how we were, we were all kind of looking forward to it more than in seasons past because we just felt like the gap between the sides was a lot smaller than it has been for many seasons. And I think it kind of proved that on the pitch. Um, so if you are interested in more of an in-depth analysis on this game, I have written about it and it is on Total Football Analysis, so please do check that out. But yeah, so Bruges took the lead through Kleppen Diata. It was a, a very nice finish from the winger and that's how it stayed at halftime. It was just 1-0. But Circle were definitely in the game. They definitely looked to play football, which was nice. They didn't just kind of sit in and try and soak up pressure. They looked to express themselves. They looked to get it wide to um, Hazard and Musaba and get them into the game. And this paid off uh, literally straight after the second half started, really. Uh, Anthony Musaba scored a lovely goal 
really, really nice move. I think it was um, Hogas who played the final ball just between the centre-back and the full-back into Musaba, mm-hmm. who provided a really nice finish. Um, Musaba, yeah, I feel like there's a player there, but I'm not sure we've seen it yet. So hopefully this goal will give him some confidence to kind of mm-hmm. push on a bit more. And yeah, then there was a controversial moment where the referee gave a penalty to Circle of Bruges, but VAR overturned it. And I've watched it, I feel like I've watched it so many times, I just don't see how it was overturned. I'm not sure why it was overturned. It looked like a penalty to me, but it just, yeah, it just wasn't good. It was overturned, VAR overturned the referee, which I thought was strange when it was that contentious. You feel like they would go with the referee's on-field decision, but no. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I, I think the thing that they were looking at, and I think it's also true that the player, uh, I think it was also Musaba again, yeah. I'm not sure, um, was already falling before there was contact. So it would be a dive, but of course it wasn't a real dive. And I, there was also in the background, there was also another situation going on. There were actually two options to look yeah. at. <laughs> that I feel like I I don't think the other one was a was a was a penalty error, but this one I feel like if it's not given, I wouldn't give it either. But if it's given, I think the VR is not actually um, in place to to yeah um, yeah give it give overrule this call. Um, yeah, yeah I think uh, I completely agree. I just find it strange that they overruled it, and like you said, I don't feel like it was like a clear and obvious dive. Like there was contact. If he didn't go down, he was still going to go down. Like he was still going to be tackled and go down. Like I just feel like yeah, I don't. You... I don't think his going down pre the tackle was going to change that. I'm not sure. He he would probably just have some more pain and injury, maybe. Yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. Like it's not a dive if you try to prevent that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was a yeah interesting kind of disappointing if you're a circular fan because I feel like you were, they were well in the game then they were actually starting to be on top and then we get to a corner in the 67th 68th minute and circular marking zonally which i just don't understand i don't understand why you do zonal marking Ooh. i think it's such a, it's i when i wrote my piece for uh, tfa i even put this i was like this is such a contentious issue and there's more people who think mm. it's a bad idea than a good idea like i just don't see why you do it so what happens basically long story short is simon Deli gets a header up against I think it was um the right back for Circle Bruges, which was De Costere, um, who's almost half the size of him. Literally no no match really. He just I don't think Delhi even knows he's there. Like he's that small compared to him. And it's two one. And Club Bruges win. And I think if you're Paul Clement, you'll be so frustrated that it came from a set piece when you played so well during the game. So, yeah, frustrations for Circular, but I think they can definitely take heart from their performance. I think they showed that the gap between the two sides is decreasing. They're definitely a much better team this season than they were last year. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one, actually. I think it should be another really good game. Uh, Briefly, before we take a quick break, I'll also do my Player of the Week and we'll just run through the results from uh, the match day. So my Player of the Week is uh, Kamal Soa of OH Leuven, who bagged two goals as Leuven beat Ghent, which was, I guess you could say it was a surprise before, a surprise result. The biggest surprise was actually that they went 3-0 up um, yeah. just after half-time. The, second goal, the third goal, the second goal for Soa, is such a great counter-attacking move from Leuven. They just, I think it's a corner to Ghent, and they just go down the other end and score. They then gave away two penalties. Uh, in the 71st and 74th minute to make it nice and exciting. Uh, game ended up 3-2, but yeah, I thought Sawal was brilliant, just his energy. His first goal, it should have been saved by, saved by Roof. It's a pretty poor yeah. attempt, but yeah. he did hit it quite hard, so we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Um, so yeah, Kamal Sawal for me. That's And that pretty much rounds up our game of the week and player of the week. Uh, the... I, I just want to add this, the social media from Ghent during the game was also yeah, a bit off. Um, <laughs> it was fun to watch the frustration flowing inside <laughs> while typing. Uh, yeah, if it happens with other teams, it's fun. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I just hope it's actually more 
um, according to, to fair, how it's going. I think the social media guys at Ghent have had a lot to be frustrated about <laughs> yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah, last night as well when they got knocked out of the Champions League. Yeah. We'll hmm. save that for another day. <laughs> uh, we'll just quickly run through the other results from the weekend. So Friday night's game saw Kortwijk go down 3-1 to Antwerp, despite playing really well. I thought Kortwijk deserved at least a point from that, but it was Antwerp that came out winners. Uh, as we've already spoken about, Mechelen beat St. Fluden 2-0. Uh, into Sunday's games, uh, Standard Liège drew 2-0 with Zolta Balagem. We'll touch on the second goal from Standard a little bit later when we have a little look at uh, Jackson Muleka. Uh, Anderlecht, they're back. They're back to their ways of conceding goals in ridiculous times <laughs> of matches. So they drew 1-1 with Eupen thanks to a Julian Ngoy goal in the 90th minute. Um, uh, then we had the Sunday night game where the team I ranted about last week, Musclon, managed to hold Shalawa to a one-all draw. Uh, Herve Coffee got man of the match, so that pretty much sums that game up. And then Monday night, as we've already spoken about, we had Genk against Ustend, which ended 2 all, And Genk went down to 10 men in that game and... Mahtar Gay almost got left in Genk after the game. If you check out KV Usten's Twitter, you'll see that the bus is leaving and Mahtar Gay is not on the bus and he's running to try and get on the bus. I'm not sure how you forget a bloke the size of Mahtar Gay and someone who literally just got you back into the game with a goal, but someone at Usten did. Um, they should do like they do on school trips. They should count how many people are on the bus before they leave. But... Maybe you want to stay. Maybe, yeah, well, there you go. You've already got one <laughs> really tall strike. <laughs> <laughs> Onoachi and Mahtarge up front, I think, would be one of the tallest strike forces in history. So yeah, That would be a basketball team. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Maybe that's what they should be going for. Uh, but yeah, that rounds up last week's matches. We'll quickly take a break now, and then we will dive into some talking points, main matches for next week, and a couple of listener questions. Welcome back to part two of episode 12 of the Belgian Football Podcast. Um, yeah, we're just going to have a quick chat over the striking situation at Club Bruges. Uh, obviously, I watched this game for my analysis and the striker that Bruges went with in this one was uh, Michael Kremczyk. Um, to start the season, they'd gone with uh, the youngster Badji, so they've kind of mixed it up a little bit. I just wanted to get the opinion of um, Scott and yours, basically, on where they sit in terms of the club boost striker situation. So I'll go with you first, Scott. Like, do you think Kremencic is the striker that they need? Is he just a stopgap for when they find someone else? Like, what's your opinion on the situation there at the moment? Well, I mean, I can't. I can't um, it's the it's the only question. At Bruges, for me at the moment, it's the you know why, why haven't they found somebody? Why haven't they found a main man? I I guess it's got a lot to do with probably not not landing some of their targets, um, and you know everything that goes into a transfer. Um, I think they're slowly starting to warm up a bit now. Um, and check obviously what three and five now, so you know that's that's not bad really. Mm. Um, Yata's starting to contribute a little bit more as well. Um, and I think as a team, the performances are coming to get a little bit better, um, you know, um, which helps, I think. Um, so it's good that they're being patient. Um, I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't look like anyone's going to come in before the, the closure of the window, but we'll, we'll see what happens at the last minute. Yeah, we'll see that like next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, Joris, what, what do you do? You agree with Scott? Like, what do you think about the situation? Yeah, I, I do think he's more of a stopgap than anything else for now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually yeah. a bit surprised that um, now oh, I forgot his name, Baji. Yeah, uh, who played really well in the first games, mm-hmm. didn't start anymore. Um, he did well, but of course he was a bit. He's still a raw talent, so I guess sometimes he needs some rest and to. Um, quite uh, calm yeah. down a little but yeah Kimenchik indeed he, he upped his game a little in the last few games indeed three out of five it's a good thing he also gave the assist for the first goal mm-hmm. this weekend even though I personally still think he was 
maybe offside when it uh, when it were uh, while doing that. But um, apart from that, he he did play recently. He did play reasonably well recently. Oh, that was too much. <laughs> 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 Similar words. Uh, sorry for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, but and, and also I think one of the reasons also, yeah, indeed they didn't land uh, anyone yet and maybe they still want to uh, get a bit more return on investment because he cost them a lot of money and mm. not only him, mm. they also spent a lot of money on all the strikers they got so far. I think we touched on this point in the past weeks already. Yeah. Um, maybe they just wanted to see how this developed and... Yeah, well, I think they will still bring it, try to bring someone in if it will work. We'll see. Um, there's always they, the names that have been rumored, like uh, Dost and um, well, one of the one of the one of Batshuayi, which is not going to happen anymore, obviously, or Benteke, which might as well still happen, are not that likely to mm. um, to really uh, get there. Uh, but are they aiming high? Uh, that's actually what I wanted to say. But it seems like so far they've been turned down. Um, yeah, and maybe yeah. they'll find someone else in the bracket just a little, slightly lower. Yeah, I was going to say because Dost for me, I always thought like that was quite an interesting target in terms of like he does play for Frankfurt. Like they do use him. Like would that have involved some sort of swap mm. deal with another player or something like that to get that one over the line? I saw Benteke would link with Spurs earlier, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know if that's that was a random to me. But if that happens, and yeah, they're not getting him, like you said, I think that'd be quite a quite a wild one for them to get him in. But yeah, I think my personal opinion is I kind of think he is a stopgap, but as long as he keeps scoring, then they don't need to be that worried because they have mm. players around them that they should be fine. It helps if he doesn't miss sitters like he did on the weekend there was this chance that I so I re-watched the game knowing the score wow. and yeah. I knew who scored but when that chance came to him I was like surely he scored I was like how does he not score you, you think it looks like the trajectory of the ball is like that's gone in it's just I don't know I don't know how he missed it again if you haven't seen it check it out it's not as bad as the Franks miss. Sorry, Aster, we're going to bring that up because that's all we can compare misses to at the moment. We've had, but... we've had quite some misses already. Yeah, it seems like yeah. every week we also have one. There's, uh, it, maybe that's the thing. Always... Maybe they're like passing it around. They're all taking it in turns to miss sitters and it's like, this was just Karenczyk's turn. But thankfully for him, it didn't cost them the game. I think if it had cost them the game, there'd be a lot more scrutiny on it and his performance. But yeah, it's in, I think maybe if they do sell someone like I don't know, think he's going to go now, but Manuel Dennis has been linked with people for like forever, it feels like. But, and he's coming off the bench for them at the moment. So maybe there's something there, but I'm not sure. Actually, I also, I forgot to mention this in the first part, but I also want to give a shout out to Clinton Matter for being exceptional in this game. Mm. Again, I don't know why this guy isn't being linked with every team under the sun. He's just so good uh, defensively going forwards. He's got everything you need. And, Bruja definitely lucky that he's, I don't know, he just doesn't seem to be, I don't see him linked with teams anymore. We have Hans van Aken linked with West Ham, which I think is just random, I think. Yeah, I think I think there's nothing on that, actually. It's like, yeah, I think you said... Sides that, that, that launched a rumour and the, the media took it over, and I, I didn't hear anything of, of it since, either. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense, does it, as a transfer, in my mind, like, where him as a player, I just don't think he fits what West Ham do or don't do. But they definitely mentioned it in the commentary in the game, so I was like, that rumor's definitely like got a bit of traction. But I don't, yeah, I think I agree with you, Yoris. It's it's not going to happen. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they do get a striker in. But I think they're probably going to wait until January before they even, unless someone does just become available. But I don't think it's going to happen. Um, yeah, let's move forward. Let's look at the main matches that are kind of on the plate for next week, the matches we're interested in looking at. Um, Scott, where are you going to go first? What's your game to watch for the listeners this week? Oh, tough one. Tough one, Ben. Um, I've, I've kind of earmarked three, actually. Um, so Antwerp, Mechelen, um, Bruges, Anderlecht, and uh, Charleroi, Standard, 
um, are ones that I'm going to mm. try and keep a close eye on. Um, but there, there are a couple of others, I think, actually, that would be worth a look. Uh, Ustend Muscron, um, for reasons I won't go into uh, <laughs> yet. But, uh, yeah, those, those, those three biggies. Yeah, no, they have some... We've got some really good games this weekend, actually. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, Joris, any more to add to that, or are they kind of the ones on your list as well? Some of them are, yeah. Uh, the, the, so I, I marked the three first games on Sunday. They are the most eye-catching to me, which is indeed a balloon mm. clash between Charleroi and Standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind you, it's, it's hardly a dar- derby. It's, some people are calling it a derby, but Charleroi and Liège actually are still located roughly 100 kilometers from each other. So <laughs> yep. it's a bit far to really call it. But of course, it is a big rivalry, though. There's not that many yeah. balloon teams um, in the league. So it's still, um, there are rivals. Um, but uh, that, so I marked that one down for sure. Also, they're doing both quite to really well in the in the league so far this season. Um, and I, I've also marked marked down, of course, Bruges and Anderlecht, the the two biggest team in Belgium, biggest teams in Belgium facing each other. Um, and also, um, I'm outside of these because I know you want to pick one of these as well, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm also curious to find out how it will go between uh, still struggling Ghent sides um, against um, informed Beerschots and to see if, how this goes, if the gap increases. If that if it does increase, I don't think Ghent will get into the playoffs anymore, even now it will already be tough uh, to be inside the top four after 34 games. But we'll see about that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to see how that there's there's plenty of games between the teams that are either up in the league or sh- are supposed to be up in the league. Um, yeah, will be interesting. Yeah, that Ghent Beershot game actually does kind of stand out in terms of like a actually yeah, I think overall there's kind of like a couple of games where you're like this is going to kind of tell us where these teams are at the moment. So I think the Ghent Beershot game, especially one of those. Um, I think. I've obviously picked out Club Bruges against Anderlecht as my the one I'm going to do my um, analysis on next week, just because I thought it should be quite an interesting game yeah. to kind of see where Anderlecht are under company. Like, how do they fare against a team like Bruges, who know how to win, know how to get it done, against a team like Anderlecht, who just love to throw it away? So it could be... <laughs> but then you've also... I'd, I'd, I'm interested it's... to see... Like, I'd yeah, love... Sorry. Yeah, sorry, go for it. No, sorry. Yeah, um... It's also interesting to see, indeed, how Anderlecht will play against uh, the first team above them, I think, that they're playing. So far, they've only yeah. faced uh, the smaller teams yeah. in the league. Yeah. So, it will be interesting to see, indeed. Last season, they actually played better against the top teams because there was a bit more space for them. Yeah. Um, so, then I'm wondering if it will still be the case in yeah, it it will have to be the case for them as well. Otherwise, they will also still have a diff- difficulties getting into, into this top four. Yeah, definitely. And I think there's one matchup. Obviously, it depends how Club Rouge set up. But if they put Clinton Matter at right back and then you have Jeremy Doku for left wing for Anderlecht, I really want to see that. Like the defensive ability of Matter against Doku. Like, let's see yeah. what Doku does against like some really high level defensive players yeah. just kind of again like see what his level is because again there's so many rumors coming out about him being linked with all these moves that I don't think he's ready for yet um but I think this will be a really nice showcase of like okay this is the level Doku's at is he the real deal is he ready for that move up I mean, if he takes Clinton Matter apart then fine like you could go, go go to the a bigger league then but I think yeah I think it's going to be a tough game for him but it should be really interesting um yeah, there's plenty of interesting games. I think we touched on most of the other ones, but just to do a quick overview, there is obviously Joyce's Genk our way to Vazan Berlin. So it'll be the Onuachu Heyman's derby, um, the, the Golden Boot derby. I think Onuachu is going to score a couple of Since we're that calling one. everything a derby now. Yeah, it? everything's a derby. Why not? Shadow <laughs> Standard derby. Euphen uh, against Circler. I can't Such a derby. Yeah, I can't think of a way of getting that one to be a derby, but. We'll find a one. Um, Leuven against Zolta is not a derby either, but that's on Saturday. 
St. Trudin against Courtrike is also on Saturday. I feel like that game is going to be one of the forgotten ones of the weekend that no one's really keeping an eye on, which will then turn into a massive goal fest to be really entertaining. And then we've mentioned the Sunday games, Super Sunday, I guess we could probably call it, before the final game on Sunday, because there's no Monday night game this week, actually. So the final Sunday game is Ustend against struggling Musclon. And that, yeah, that pretty much wraps up the future, what we're looking towards. We have some really great listener questions, actually, this week. So we wanted to give a little bit more time to these. Um, so two questions, both from Dr. Mukherjee. Mukherjee. Sorry, Doctor, if I pronounce your name wrong. Again, I think I've mentioned the Doctor before, but if you do not follow him on Twitter and you're interested in Belgian football, you are completely missing out because this man does so many amazing things with data and statistics and turns them into these really great visual graphics that you can look at and just really breaks it down some interesting players and analysis so yeah definitely check him out try and get on his um his at list i guess he tags a load of us in these visuals that he does so if you can get on those you'll always be notified when he does them uh that's enough plugging first question is about the second tier so scott's new favorite league uh, we have one about Mikatadzi at RFC Salang, who he says Mikatadzi is overperforming his XG a lot. Uh, six goals from a 2.3 XG. Is he the real deal? Um, Scott, do you want to jump in on this one first? I know as a podcast, we may not necessarily watch a lot of the second tier, but we've definitely started to notice this guy. Yeah. I, I, oh. Well, it's a good point actually about him outperforming his XG because there's two points about that 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 I would make. Um, I don't think that can be sustained. I think we can all agree on that. Um, And I think Arsarang overly overly reliant on him. I mean, he's now what? He's now got nine goals in five games, which accounts for nine of Sarang's fifteen goals. So without him, they've got a real problem. Even though bizarrely at the moment they've they've gone top because of that um if you have a look i mean there's a great um a show reel actually uh, and show reels obviously can make anybody look good but to be fair <laughs> some of the some of the finishing there's a great show reel of all of his goals so far this season and you, you cannot deny that some, some of the finishing is is notable you know um an eye for goal absolutely and there's quality there as well you can tell that um, so I'm actually quite looking forward to checking out some Sarang games in the coming weeks to have a closer look. So hopefully, if George is listening, um, keep scoring, mate, because I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to put the mockers on him and curse him. Now, every game you watch, he's just <laughs> never going to score. Joris, <laughs> uh, have you seen much of him? No, unfortunately, I, I can't say I did. Uh, well, I did see, just basing on his statistics, he's scored most of his games uh, goals in two games so far but of course there's only been only five games so mm. that's not that well let's see how uh, that statistic holds up at the end of the season but well his goals to games ratio is amazing obviously yeah. <laughs> surprisingly there's actually a game where he didn't score so he's not that consistent I would say <laughs> <laughs> don't get too big headed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah keep him nice but, and level yeah, but um, yeah, I'll also keep an eye out on uh, on him from now on. But uh, yeah, I didn't follow anything, so I can't really add much to this discussion so far. No, nah, that's fair. I think there's always kudos for people like you, Yoris, who just say, I haven't seen him. Because so many times people just try and fill the gap and be like, yeah, no, he's good at this, this and this. You see loads of commentators doing it and you're like, you don't actually know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> just don't say anything. But <laughs> No, I love the fact that he did score. I think he scored like four in one game or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So was you've got a, you've had got a very good point there. I think my biggest fear for the side is that he does in this incredible run. They win the first stage, so they'll finish top of the table at the end of this first round, qualify for the promotion playoff. He then gets snapped up, taken somewhere else. I don't know, like if Mets recall him or like another mm. club says we want to take him off you. They then lose him, and then they're going to have to kind of refresh into that second half of the season. Then they're in a promotion battle, that promotion final without him, and it could just be a bit of a disappointment. But I, I might have to correct you there. Uh, because it. this season, I believe there's no um, 
stages. But okay. the first one, the first one, so it's just 28 games in the first, uh, second division, first League B. But uh, so the first one promotes, and there might still as well be a promotion game. Well, there is right. going to be between the second mm -hmm. and the 15th, I believe. Them. Uh, no, um, 17th of the. So it's gone to like a more league. normal. See? A little bit, but we'll, it might change again after the season. But given all the miss. Uh, yeah, in the beginning of the season, that was also one of the points for this season. Maybe also, for, I think it it was also for next season, but I can't say that for sure. But for this season, like, there's no it's a straight. stages. Uh, yeah, there's just a straight championship. See, you still learn stuff even if you're trying to host a podcast. That's what's so amazing about these things. Um, and also, no, I think that, I think they will still be happy as long as they don't relegate. Uh, out of yeah, the league. So, I think that was probably their aim going into the season, wasn't it? Really, to stay. Yeah in the yeah. division so no that's interesting i'll be interesting maybe we'll see mikatadze relegate or oh, the mikatadze against have coffee playoff game that'd be fun how many times can he stop that xg will take a battering for one of those two guys that's for sure um <laughs> the second question i'll go straight to you on this one yours is jackson maleka can he solve the scoring issues for standard and what did you learn from his little cameo performance this weekend um, well, I don't know if I still don't know if he's uh, gonna solve their issues. I think he he might, but not yet. Mm. Uh, he look he looked to bring something straight away. Also, he scored straight away, but I do think he still probably needs some more time to adapt. But of course, if he can be decisive like this, he will be an asset to both Standard and the league. Yeah, he, he was very energetic and had a nice strike. He also had another strike that was blocked, I believe, or, or a missed strike. But um, yeah, you can't really tell much about in such a short time. Again, mm. to be honest, uh, I'm failing a bit in the in the in the these questions. <laughs> but he, I think, overall, he will bring something to Standard. But will it be soon enough? I don't know. I'm, I'm also not. Well, Ulare is quite a good striker as well, but he's had his three games of not being injured in a row now, so I think he will be out soon again. Uh, <laughs> oh, bless <laughs> the curse. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it, it might be in his genes as well, but I'll not yeah. get into that. Um, yeah, his, his, his father was a great striker for Hink uh, at the time, but he also didn't train during the week because he had some issues, um, physical issues. So, okay. I did get into it now, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll leave it at that. But yeah, I, I think he, for now, he will be a good substitute, a good, mm. uh, yeah, addition to the squad already. And let's see how it develops further on. And it's good that he got his first goal already, of course. He got that pressure off his back. Yeah, and it was a nice finish as well, like a little glancing header run across the defender. The defender just seemed to let him go. It was a bit weird, like watching it back i think it was that's still the defense context. yeah oh. <laughs> i don't want to talk about that again <laughs> but at least they didn't concede six this time and they yeah. scored some themselves so that was a at least one positive to take uh well, was a surprising result indeed yeah no for sure i guess that could have been one of our games of the week but there were just so many good games this weekend it kind of slipped the radar uh scott what's your opinion on uh jackson maleka what do you think well, I've seen very, very little of him, but the the little I have seen, I've, I've really liked him. I think, see that kind of slightly small, diminutive stature? Don't don't let that fool you, because when you see that goal that he scored last weekend, um, you know, he, he's got a ton of pace and movement and physicality about him that I, I, I think, you know, could could you know really really click in that standard side actually they've they've been missing something a bit like that so we don't know if he's going to be the main man but um I, I like what I've seen so far yeah I was really excited about him coming uh, to the league because I've just heard so much noise surrounding him so it was yeah. nice to see him score and I think if you can get that goal early it just kind of like settles everything down I feel like if he'd not been able to score and he'd just been struggling a bit so it's interesting. I looked at the stats as well, and he managed the same amount of shots as um, oh, his name's escaped me. Who went off the other striker? Yeah, he managed the same note as the starting striker. Apologies, the name, complete mind blank there. Um, but yeah, I think I agree. I don't think he's gonna start 
straight away just because he scored. I think they'll still kind of like ease him into the team and ease him into the lineups and stuff. Um, sorry, Olari. Him and Olari scored, had the same amount of shots. Uh, one thing I did want to mention quickly about this game was it was great to see uh, Bally Quisha score. I mentioned him in the very first preview podcast I did actually about how he'd been um, scoring some goals for fun in pre-season. So it's nice to see him get a run out and get a goal as well. And I hope that answered your questions, uh, Doctor. And just a reminder, if you do have questions for us, please do send them in. We will mention the new email address that we have at the end of the podcast. Um, for those of you that don't use Twitter, just so yeah, feel free to send any query, any question, any feedback, anything like that. Please do send it our way. And yeah, before we go, we just wanted to quickly mention that there are some Europa League fixtures coming up. Obviously, Ghent have now dropped into the Europa League after losing to Dinamo Kiev. They took an absolute battering. We didn't want to mention it because it was just, yeah, it was just a terrible, terrible game for Ghent. Really, really poor from them. But I think they were never really ready for Champions League football this season. I don't think their start to the season gave them any real hope of competing and it had been a bit depressing. So hopefully the Europa League can give them a little bit of a boost. Uh, looking to join them are Shalawa, uh, who are up against Lech Poznan at home. So it should be a win for them, I think. Lech Poznan are a decent team. They've started reasonably well in the uh, Polish Extraklasse. They did quite well to qualify this round. I think they absolutely hammered one of the teams about 5-0 in their last game. So I think it'll be tough, but I think Charleroi can do it. And then we have Standard Liège against Felavar. I think. We think that's how you pronounce it. We're not entirely sure. Joris is concerned because they have VAR in their name, so we're a bit worried that maybe they've got that on their side. But they're a Hungarian <laughs> team. I doubt um, that, that the VR is in, in place in this game. I'm not sure, but... I maybe they bring it in for themselves because of that. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> but hopefully both sides will win. We've already seen Hungarian teams do a little bit in the Champions League, so let's hope they don't repeat that in the Europa League. And then, yeah, we're hoping... Well, Scott's certainly hoping that Celtic, his beloved Celtic, will draw one of these Belgian sides, which would be Absolutely. great for us. To get that in the Scottish Celtic side of things when that comes up, and yeah, we can have a little Belgian football podcast derby, I guess, between a Belgian side and Scots Celtic. Uh, did you guys have any comments on those games? Any interesting things you think that might happen, or do you think it's going to be quite straightforward for the Belgian sides to get through? I'm just hoping that we see uh, four Belgian sides in that draw on Friday lunchtime. So good luck to Charleroi and Standard. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. That was that were my thoughts as well. Just hope <laughs> they do well. Perfect. That's great. Well, yeah, that, I think that's pretty much all we have time for on this week's episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. Uh, Scott and Joris, thanks again, as always, for joining me. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. I think that's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. If it ever becomes a chore, then yeah, we're definitely doing something wrong. Um, yeah, just want to give another shout out like we did last week. Uh, we are in kind of agreement with, we're working with the freelance football ops guys. So if any of the listeners are freelancing in football, you may be interested in signing up to the freelance football ops subscription based newsletter. Uh, they find jobs which cover writing, design, video, audio, and generally anything in football media every week. Uh, for more information, uh, visit www.freelancefootballops.com. I received the first newsletter this week, and it's great. There's some really, really cool stuff that uh, they found that you could do, stuff that you don't really find in other places, so it's definitely worth checking out. And yeah, that pretty much so wraps everything up for us. We'll be back again next week with another episode. Uh, but in the meantime, if you do enjoy listening to our podcast and what we're up to, we'd be super, super grateful if you would consider leaving us a little review uh, wherever you access your podcast, as it would just really help us spread the word about all things Belgian football, which we obviously absolutely love. And we do really, yeah, I'm going to keep banging on about this. We do really love to hear from you. Uh, any questions, comments or feedback is great. We've received some really nice feedback from people and it does really um yeah it just makes it a nicer thing to do knowing that there are people out there actually listening to us talk which is always a good thing but enjoying it at the same time we've had a couple of requests for special 
episodes like we did with Antwerp. So if you are interested in a club, uh, a cultural thing, any sort of like thing to do with Belgian football that you'd like us to do a deeper dive into, please do let us know. And in order to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at the Belgian at Belgian Podcast. Um, all three of us have our own Twitter accounts as well. Mine is at Benjack94. Scott is at Scott underscore coin. And Yoris is at Yoris underscore Beck. Uh, alternatively, if you don't use Twitter or if you'd rather not use Twitter, uh, you can email us at the at Belgian Football Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, thanks once again for listening and we'll see you soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. Thank you.